0: Welcome to the Masterminds podcast channel, brought to you by DonorSearch, a leader in prospect research tools and analytics. And your host, one of America's top philanthropic experts and fundraising consultants, Jay Frost.
1: For two decades, Tysley Williams has inspired individuals and institutions to invest tens of millions in philanthropy through her staff and volunteer leadership roles within several major regional and national nonprofits. She has also been a particularly powerful advocate for women and diversity within the field of philanthropy, leading the Women's Impact Initiative of the Association of Fundraising Professionals. We caught up with Tysley at the offices of America's Promise Alliance, where she continues her work to create the conditions for success for young people as the organization's chief development officer. Welcome to the program, Tysley, it's great to have you.
0: Thank you, Jay, I'm excited to be back with you. Thank you for inviting me to continue our conversation.
1: Well, we are having a great conversation, but I know, I feel like in some ways it hasn't been uh, one we've been able to share with other people. So I'm interested to um, have a deeper conversation with you in kind of a public sphere about some of the things that you do, but also why you do them. I'd like to start with something really simple. Uh, You have a a one-of-a-kind name. Can you tell us about its origin?
0: Yes, so I entered the world in 1975 and my parents were big fans of an actress. Um, Her name is Cicely Tyson. And I was named after uh, Cicely Tyson, who is um, not only an actress but a fashion model and literally just like a Renaissance woman. So she's best known um, for her acting skills, uh, but she is a fantastic individual and role model and one. Um, that I have enjoyed uh, living my life literally um, in memory and in honor of her. Uh, she is still in the land of the living and is 95 years old and continues to act. So uh, I was named, I uh, was affectionately named after Cicely Tyson.
1: You've met some uh, pretty extraordinary people in your career so far. Um, Have you had the chance to meet her or interact with her?
0: I have had the chance to meet her, and it was just a very quick um, introductory meeting. Um, Many, many moons ago, when I first moved to Washington, D.C., I actually um, met one of her nephews, and he posed a similar question, asking tell me a little bit about your name. And I said, I'm named after Cicely Tyson. And he laughed and said, oh my heavens, that's my Aunt Bobo. And so literally um, through that connection, had the opportunity to meet her. Um, I've seen her from time to time at conferences and speaking engagements. So I don't have what I would consider to be a close relationship with her, but I have had the opportunity to meet her, which was really, really special.
1: She is a big force of nature. I mean, an extraordinary talent. And and as you said, she's very much in the land of living and working, still contributing great work. Um, Yes. What you were talking about right there sounds like a very Washington story too, in a way, even though it involved friends and their family. Um, Now, you've been a Washingtonian for some time now, but you hail from Birmingham, is that right?
0: That's right. I am a daughter of the Deep South. I am born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama. My family, uh, they're still there, and so I get back quite often. Um, But like many people who find themselves in the nation's capital here in the United States, I was drawn to D.C. uh, largely because of my interest in the not-for-profit sector, and as you know, Jay, there are so many not-for-profit organizations within the District of Columbia, either um, international organizations that are headquartered here, national uh, not-for-profit organizations, as well as a very robust Uh, local not-for-profit sector, so my desire to step into a larger fishbowl and continue as a lifelong learner uh, led me to the District of Columbia, and it's been um, 18 years since I've been here.
1: What were your impressions of D.C. before, if you think back to that time, and then what are they like now? Because you've probably experienced what I have. When you tell people where you're from now, uh, people around the country have very distinct impressions of what it is to be a a person in this area and what this area is like. How have your impressions changed, if at all? And what do you feel about D.C. today?
0: When I originally moved to D.C., in my mind, I thought it was a very large city. Um, I didn't necessarily have a... Positive or a negative perception. I most certainly knew that it uh, was a city that housed a great deal of power because uh, our government uh, rests here. I also did not sense that DC was a southern city. And it's interesting, Jay, now that I've lived here for uh, nearly two decades, I most certainly have a different perspective now. Um, I don't consider D.C. to be a huge metropolitan city. Um, I consider it to be uh, a town where you can really get to know people in intimate ways. Um, I very much DC now as a southern city, and I often remind people that we are physically located south of the Mason Dixon line. Um, I travel uh, quite a bit with work, and as I speak to my lived experiences as a fundraiser being in this space, I have now learned, Jay, that many people across the country and around the globe um, have negative perceptions as it pertains to the wonderful uh, chosen place that we have called home. And I think a lot of that is just because of the current tone uh, that is associated with individuals within the District of Columbia. And so um, I have had a very positive experience. It's been a wonderful place to forge meaningful relationships, and that's what we do as frontline fundraisers and ambassadors for our charities of choice. And so I have absolutely loved, loved, loved my time here, and I always invite people uh, to step outside of the predictable elements of the smithsonian and you find so many um, pockets of diversity within the district of columbia and the surrounding suburban areas which have their own cultural makeup which have their own uh, gems and assets and so it's just a really neat area of the country And uh, I encourage those individuals who yet to visit to come out and spend some time with us and to stretch um, beyond the Smithsonian's to really get to know the people that call it home.
1: Well, and as you said, you've been working with organizations here for quite a while now, and you've seen the culture of those organizations and you can compare it not only to the the land of your birth, but uh, to the whole country as you travel around and talk with people. Do you see something that makes this area and the organizations who work here somewhat different or unique in how uh, they engage with people who support them or their missions or how, you know, how we all work together as fellow professionals?
0: Yes. So I think there is, Jay, an inherent value for partnerships and collaborations. I think largely because of individual's experience, whether it's government or public service, you can't get things done unless you're willing to collaborate and partner. And I think there's an inherent value within this area to recognize the importance of collaborations and partnerships, to invest In not-for-profit organizations who can demonstrate how they are partnering, whether it's through referral systems or whether it's through direct services. I think there's an expectation that no matter how large your annual operating budget, uh, there's always an opportunity for you to sharpen and enhance your service delivery Um, and the advancement of your mission by partnering with others. And so um, I have certainly lifted learnings just as it pertains to the way things work in Washington. And the way things work in Washington, it is definitely an area that's heavily focused on social capital. Relationships matter a great deal in this town and the consistent need To develop new relationships while protecting and preserving old relationships tends to be something that no matter what profession you're in, no matter your age, uh, everyone tends to recognize that, embrace it. And it's really great uh, being someone that's in a relationship building calling um, to be reminded of that day in and day out.
1: You know, you talked about this in terms of uh, uh, ambassadorship is one word you use, but it's also a big part of your your uh, biography. Maybe even your DNA is about leadership. It's a centerpiece of everything you've done. You, you were an executive director, uh, an artistic director, um, and of course, in your current role, these are all pretty big roles. What? How? How did that come to be? How were you drawn to the leadership element of all this work?
0: Jay. Hey. Really by um, observing how my peers felt about me. And so it's really interesting. Um, I realized at a very young age that I was a leader, but I didn't know why I was chosen or selected to be a leader. And it wasn't until... um, I was a little bit older and I was going through a similar process and so my entire life um, as, a, as a young child I started taking classical dance lessons at the age of five and when you are a young dancer it is a practice of the instructor to identify a leader and the leader stands typically in front of the other children and the leader tends to have an understanding of the choreography and the leader is placed out front so that the other children are able to follow the motions and movement of the leader. And I remember uh, when I was selected to serve as the leader for my recital and going um, and listening to my dance instructor share with my mother that I had been selected Uh, to be the leader. And I remember at that time thinking that I was chosen to be a leader because I was, you know, the best dancer. And it wasn't until I became a dance teacher myself that I recognized you select children to lead because you know that others will follow. And in some instances, you're chosen to lead not because you have the best Talent, But you have the best relationships uh, within your class. The people see you as someone they want to trust, someone that they admire, and someone that they are willing to follow. And so um, I really credit my parents for positioning me to be a leader, uh, because I think at a very early age, my parents introduced some very basic fundamental principles that I've carried throughout my life that really center around treating people with respect and viewing everyone as valuable and forging relationships with every individual. And I think by doing that, I've been able to forge trusting relationships I've been able to learn from others and in doing so, uh, when the opportunity presents itself to identify uh, leaders or when the opportunity presents itself to say yes to service or to pursue leadership opportunities, um, I've, I've been successful and it's largely because I've held on uh, to the important lessons that uh, have been instilled within me by my parents.
1: Are your parents still still with you?
0: They are, Jay. They are. And it has been wonderful. Um, I don't have children of my own. And so I have enjoyed uh, my parents having the opportunity to watch and witness All that has come about as a result of their investment in me. And they uh, take a great deal of pride in my accomplishments and the accomplishments of my siblings. And it is wonderful to see um, how their hard work literally has paid off because I don't know um, how much time you've spent in the Deep South, Jay, but if you watch. Any parent uh, bringing up a child in the way that they should go, uh, you will hear a parent say to a child, "Now, what do you say now that Jay has paid you a compliment?" And you, the child says, "Thank you." And you hear that parent at least thirty times in a conversation, nudging the child, uh, conditioning the child uh, to be someone who understands gratitude, to be someone who understands respect, to be someone who essentially grows up to be um, a noble citizen. And um, I thank my parents for their continuous nudging um, as I was growing up to ensure that I would eventually um, have my own instinctive Reactions to things that really came about as a result of being pushed and pressed by parents who knew that no matter what path I would take, that manners would take you very far, and an ability to connect to people uh, was just supremely important.
1: Uh, it's so interesting the way you've described their their impact, which I know is, has been um, so important to you in so many ways when you talk about this element, many people will uh, will think about that as a matter of manners, but the way you've described it is so much richer than that and more meaningful. And and it's also the process for learning how to not just show respect, but to really have respect for others. Yeah. It, it is very similar to doing the scales on the piano, that nudging or, or working out in the dance studio at the bar, uh, which you clearly had to do to get on point, It sounds like your parents and other parents uh, were working with you to instill a sense about their relationship to others, not just how to act, but how to really be with others.
0: That's right, Jay. That's right. And I think it's that shared principle that really led me to the not-for-profit space, um, I have largely spent my career in the human ser- on the human services side and I really credit my parents for helping me to see and to recognize the value that every individual person has and brings and should be afforded uh, within our community and so I have certainly enjoyed Learning from those who are underserved, just as much as I've learned from uh, my donors and our partners who have the financial resources to invest. Um, But I've also learned from those that we serve because I see them as individuals who can not only make contributions to the world, but who can play a pivotal role in my own learning and development. And I think um, I didn't reach that conclusion on my own. I certainly credit uh, my parents for that.
1: Now, yeah, obviously your parents have been big models for you. What, what other leadership models uh, or other leaders have been in your life that have influenced now how you take on that role of leadership?
0: I would say outside of my parents, the most um, influential person who has probably shaped my leadership um, is a woman by the name of uh, Dr. Maya Angelou. So Dr. Angelou is no longer in the land of the living, but uh, many people know her as uh, a world-renowned poet, um, as a writer, as an actress, and... I had the privilege of knowing her as my teacher um, in college and um, I had the privilege of studying under Dr. Angelou for two semesters and she is the reason why I um, did not pursue life as a litigator and said no to going to law school and stepped away from LSAT prep um, she really challenged me um again, observing that I was distraught and distressed um after a class. she walked over to inquire about my well being and I told her that I was stressing about what to do after graduation and trying to give thought to what law school I needed to go to, and she asked why um I wanted to go to law school. And I said, because my parents think that I'll make, I'll become a good lawyer. And for the first time, I was challenged to first be a leader in my own life. And she challenged me to lead and to recognize that I am the leading lady, I am the writer, I am the producer. I am the supporting role. Like any and every meaningful role there was to play in my life, I was the person responsible. So I had to step into this very real understanding of individual leadership to find my path forward and to find a place. Um, Dr. Anjali was always big on uh, the virtue of joy she felt as if one of the most important gifts you could give yourself and give the world was to be a joyful person and she really felt as if the only way to become and to remain a joyful person was through the activation of courage And I remember that it felt really scary stepping into the unknown and leaving college, pursuing my passion of classical dance, knowing that I really didn't need a degree to be a dancer. But dance is what brought me joy. And it is through that initial activation of courage that I've just continued to challenge myself uh, year over year to continue doing things that will bring me joy, uh, no matter how others perceive uh, my decisions, um, that I have ownership of my choices and my life. And so, Jake, my leadership path Uh, really hinges a lot on me challenging myself to not only lead organizations and to lead teams and to lead people, but to first ensure that I'm leading with authenticity uh, myself.
1: I have to ask you about that word joy. It's such a wonderful word. Um, And it's so important that we understand it the way you understand it. So maybe one way to do that is to tell us what brings you joy now. What's the greatest joy that you have in your in your life?
0: For me, Jay, the greatest joy is gifting satisfaction and happiness to others. Um, I have, I think, on my Twitter account where you provide the bio that speaks to who you are and I use the term that I spend my day serving up smiles and for me that's who I am and that's what I do and so whether that's my initial conversation walking into my building with Alexa who Sits in the lobby of our building every day, welcoming individuals, or whether that's the first hello that I give Miss Cynthia, who's our receptionist. It is just so important, no matter what type of interaction that you have with people, to do the very best you can to engage with people in a positive, affirming, and kind way. I think it shocks people when I tell them that I live in Washington, D.C., and they come and they visit and they realize that, wow, you actually know the name of the cashier at 7-Eleven. Wow, you actually know the name of the valet driver. Wow. like I think there's this perception that we are transactional individuals just wandering aimlessly from the White House. To K Street, and it's all about hamster wheels and ladders, when in actual reality, I find our community to be very warm. I think that there um, are spaces and places where um, it feels very much like a small town.
1: Uh, Absolutely. Uh, It's great that you're bringing that to the world, at least through the visitors who come to visit with you. I suppose you're also exporting that when you travel around, and you and you do quite a bit of that, it, which brings me to another word that you haven't mentioned, but I I see or at least I hear in some of your work, which is that you may bring joy and smiles, you certainly do, but you're definitely a fighter. I mean, at least you're fighting for some big things. You, you've been involved with uh, as the chair of the Women's Impact Initiative for AFP. Um, you know this whole inclusion diversity equity access initiative. Um, I shouldn't call it an initiative. I mean, it's a bedrock principle, but we're finally giving voice to it within our field. So those are things that people um, definitely have to fight for. You've been at the forefront of that. So how do you merge these two concepts about being that person who brings those smiles, knows those people, but then exports some of these ideas that are pretty challenging for many people, not just in our field, but in the world as a whole?
0: Yes, Jay. So, I am really, really passionate about um, equity and diversity and inclusion and ensuring that individuals have access. Um, Largely, um, Jay, because of my lived experiences, I am a descendant of slaves. Um, My family uh, came to this country through two ports, one in Charleston, South Carolina, and the other in New Orleans, Louisiana. And uh, my mother's side of the family in particular, um, we've been in South Carolina um, for over 200 years, and I grew up spending my summers in um, South Carolina um, on our family farm, and across from my grandmother's porch there is a field where um, the KKK would literally burn crosses and growing up, my mother uh, would stand with us from the front door of my grandparents' home looking out into the field and she would reflect on her memories uh, with my grandfather holding her um, as a young child In his arms as she watched um, crosses being burned Um, my grandfather um, was teaching my mother by watching and viewing hatred and holding her lovingly in his arms that there are times in life where you are called to be courageous and you should have confidence in knowing that when you are called to fight injustice, when you are called to speak to things that are wrong and hurtful, that you should always find assurance in knowing that there are people standing with you, affirming you and loving you. Um, My mother was um, the first in her community to integrate her public school system Um, My mother's maiden name is Anderson, which is the first letter of the alphabet, and I remember as a child looking at her high school yearbook, and she was after the Z's because black children were not um, placed in order by alphabet. The white children were alphabetized, and then the black child, my mother, whose last name was Anderson, was placed after the white children. And because of the close relationship that I have with my mother and my grandparents and hearing the pain and the hurt that not only our community as a whole felt, but that my mother had to endure, I really felt that I have and I continue to feel that I have a responsibility to use the influence that I am able to harness with others to bring about positive change. And so if I have these innate leadership skills, which I believe that I do, if I don't use those innate leadership skills to bring about positive change, then I believe I am missing opportunity and so Jay I really lean into these uh, professional commitments in a very real and personal way because while there may not be incidents of crosses being burned literally in offices and in fields and in corners across the US and the globe there still remains figurative um occurrences that are bringing about just as much harm and hurt and danger. And so I think it's important for all of us to do what Dr. Angelou would insist, which is to be courageous. And in some instances, Jay, you can be courageous with a smile on your face and in some instances You have to be courageous and comfortable with a rested face just to underscore the importance, the urgency, and the seriousness of what you are advocating for.
1: In many of the examples you just cited, um, and in fact, everything you've talked about, children or young people have been a big factor here, whether it was what you talked about in terms of your learning from your parents, uh, your own uh, you know, life, and not not having children, but working with children every day, your work as a student, studying with Dr. Andrew Liu, all these things have been uh, the, the importance of uh, giving uh, children your young people some kind of opportunity to, to face whatever the challenges are, with some sense of, I guess, you know, courageousness, but joy to know how to face them. What is, what's motivating you to devote so much of your life, not just to our field as a whole, but to children specifically, and, and now with America's Promise?
0: Yes, Jay. So I, when I got the call about an opportunity within America's Promise, to pursue leading the organization's fundraising, I was really, really moved by the mission. Um, the organization really seeks to meet the unmet needs of children and youth, and they seek to do that by exploring the opinions, the perspectives of youth as it pertains to their lived experiences. I literally credit so much of who I am to the individuals who poured into me as a young person. I think so many of us, feel as if we live these compartmentalized lives where learning and growth and development is solely reserved for young people. But what has led me to this work is the recognition that we must do the very best that we can to ensure that young people are not only afforded opportunities, but they are given agency and they are given the ability to really be their own ambassadors that they feel as if that they have the support and the resources and the confidence uh, to speak to advocate, to pursue, and that we, as the caring adults who are pouring into them as well as our society, that we are ensuring that, there, that there's ample opportunity. Because as you know, Jay, and as we know as fundraisers, you can pursue things And unless there is something tangible or something definitive that you are indeed pursuing, then the pursuit itself is not going to be successful. And so I have spent the greatest days of my life with young people, uh, not only as a young person myself, but as someone who has taught young people um, the love of dance, as someone who has taught young people um, in my place of worship as a Sunday school teacher, as someone who's taught young people um, how to play volleyball and how to serve as a coach of a softball team. There are so many times when I have seen my greatest happiness, it has been in the presence of young people. And so when the opportunity presented itself to connect to an organization where I would have more engagement with young people, I stepped forward with a great level of enthusiasm and a lot of excitement around um, being able to just learn and grow and um, be in a good space with good young people.
1: Thank you so much, Tysley, for sharing all this with us today.
0: You are so welcome, Jay. I really appreciate you inviting me to uh, share a little bit of what we often discuss as friends in a more public way. Um, I wanna thank you, Jay, for using your influence to showcase the importance of uh, diversity and inclusion. You have been a phenomenal advocate of uh, the principles that matter to both of us. And I just want to publicly thank you for all that you do. And I look forward to our next conversation.
1: The Masterminds Podcast is underwritten by Donor Search. The world leader in donor intelligence solutions for not-for-profit organizations. Our producer is Terrence Diggs. Our theme music is composed and performed by Ahmad Ibrahim. The voice introduction to our program is performed by Ryan Ibrahim. You can subscribe to the Mastermind series on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find blogs, livecasts, and flash classes with our featured masterminds at DonorSearch.net or check the show notes and descriptions.